Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, this summer we are asking you to read with us here at WDET and on on Detroit Today with our first ever Detroit Today Summer Book Club. We are reading Matthew Desmond's book, Evicted, which is about the way in which evictions in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, drive poverty in that community. Think of the way that we think that evictions are a symptom of poverty oftentimes. Matthew Desmond's theory is that they are a driver of it. They're one of the things that keep people poor and prevent them from climbing up the economic ladder. We are using that book as the foundation for a discussion this summer in this community about housing insecurity all over Southeast Michigan. So we're going to talk about evictions themselves, which are a huge issue in the city of Detroit and many of the other communities in Southeast Michigan. We're also going to talk about foreclosure, tax foreclosure. We'll talk about things like squatting. Think of all of the things, affordable housing, all of the issues that come up when we think about housing insecurity here in Southeast Michigan. So you can join in to that discussion in many different ways. One is on Facebook. If you search for Detroit Today Summer Book Club, you can find our online platform where we are talking about the book specifically and about other issues involving housing insecurity. You can also, of course, listen to the program each day and uh, beginning tomorrow. In fact, we will start with uh, segments that take a look at various housing issues. Tomorrow, what we're going to look at is this settlement between the ACLU and the city of Detroit that will see a lot of people who are in rental units that face tax foreclosure uh, better able to buy the houses that they're in so that they don't have to be subject to the whim or the carelessness of their landlord. So that's going to be a really important and interesting segment tomorrow. It fits very nicely in the context of this uh, book club and the discussions we want to have. You can also come out and join us in person during the summer at many different events that we're having around the community. The first one is on July 17th. That's next Tuesday at the Ann Arbor Public Library, where we're going to talk about housing insecurity. So don't forget to, to do all those things where you can. And of course, you can always go to WDET.org to find more info about that book club. Okay, up front today, President Donald Trump is in Europe this week for the NATO summit, and he has made no bones about his frustration with NATO allies, saying that they haven't contributed enough of their GDP to military strength and security. But the president isn't just testy with our European allies. He's also crossed with the most neighborly and unlikely of adversaries, Canada. Trump has threatened massive tariffs against Canadian imports and desperately wants to renegotiate NAFTA. How is Canada, though, reacting to this strange predicament, the possibility of a trade war with the United States? And how has the national drama trickled down to commerce right here at home, like with the expected construction of the Gordie Howe Bridge. That is where we want to start the conversation today with our neighbors across the Detroit River, Canada. And of course, uh, we have a lot of listeners in Canada. We have a lot of listeners in Windsor and other cities near the border. We would love uh, during these segments to hear from you guys, listeners uh, across the river. What do you think of this rhetoric about uh, a trade war with the United States? What are the things that you are seeing in terms of 
possible effects uh, on your economy there, on your relationships with with businesses or people here in the United States. Uh, what are the things that you're thinking and 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 seeing from that side of the river about this very strange and sort of unexpected? Uh, 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 tension that uh, Donald Trump has injected into this relationship. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. You can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. A little later in the program, we are going to talk with Cheryl Hardcastle, who is a member of the Canadian Par- Parliament. She represents Windsor-Tecumseh. That will be uh, an interesting perspective to get as well from the government side of things across the river. But joining us now is Lori Tanis, who is the Vice President of Government Relations for FARO, which is a large business in Windsor that deals with trade between the United States and Canada. Lori, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you. Hmm. Uh, first, let's start by talking about what FARO is and what it does. FARO is um, Canada's largest independent customs broker. We've got uh, locations all throughout uh, Canada and the United States, and essentially we affect clearance for goods that are moving across uh, the border, so into Canada and to the U.S. We make sure that companies who are looking to import and export are doing so compliantly and uh, as quickly as possible. And and uh, so talk about what these tariffs that Donald Trump says he wants to impose uh, on Canadian goods, what do they mean for your business and for your customers? Well, so our customers are definitely impacted by this because they, uh, you know, they're used to paying no duty, no taxes in some cases, and, and now they're at a point where we are um, having to try and do analyses on their, uh, you know, the commodities that they're importing, trying to determine what it is that um, they're going to have to pay in addition to, uh, in addition to what, um, you know, other other bottom line uh, items that they were not having to pay for before. So it's changing the way that they're doing business in the sense that they are not, uh, you know, they were not expecting these uh, these costs before, and it's it's all happening so suddenly. And so for us. In some cases, as a customs broker, we're responsible for paying the duties and taxes up front for our clients. We pay it to the customs agency, and then they pay us back. So it's definitely shifted the way even we are doing business in terms of trying to see where our exposures uh, are. And there just are so many uncertainties as well because, you know, we just – this is all happening in such a retaliatory way. So, um, you know, to say that we got a list last year and we've had time to prepare, obviously that's not what's happening. So we are in the middle of this – um, you know, trade war in essence. Yeah. Uh, you talk about how suddenly this all developed. Uh, give us a sense of the Canadian sort of response to that. In, in other words, this idea that can, that Canada is a problem instead of uh, an ally in the, in, this, in the way that we see our trading partners here in the United States. How surprised, I guess, were uh, were you, were the people at your business, were the clients that you deal with, that this ever became a thing? 
Yeah, I mean, it is very surprising, uh, especially for me. I mean, I've been in the you know border security business, and and I'm an immigration lawyer by trade. So for the last 20 years, all I've done is worked on Canada-U.S. relations. So mm-hmm. to see this in my lifetime is kind of surprising, um, and and many of our clients and and ourselves uh, were surprised as well because of how integrated the supply chain is between Canada and the U.S. So. You know, to say, oh, we're just going to not do business with you anymore or, you know, we're just going to sort of take our goods and go home, it's, it's been a bit shocking, I guess, uh, to us because, you know, especially for me, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so entangled and it's so interconnected that it's much easier said than done, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, so it has been very surprising. And, and uh, is there a sense of fear or trepidation among people that you're talking to, that this could get worse, uh, that this is maybe just the opening salvo of uh, substantive change in the relationship between the United States and Canada? Nobody seems to be thinking that. Uh, you know, for the majority of, of conversations I've been having, what I'm hearing is that people feel this is more rhetoric, that it's more, you know, coming from uh, this political um, overlay that we're seeing, but that, you know, we're still neighbors, we're still friends, we have all this goodwill, we have all this good faith between these two countries. And like I said, we're connected. I mean, so. Yes, we're going to have to pay more. I think U.S. and Canadian consumers are going to get hit the most with all of this. Uh, Canadian and U.S. companies are going to feel the brunt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the politicians who are making these decisions, I don't think, see how that trickles down um, into the, the, you know, commerce. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, people seem optimistic that this is just, you know, a bump in the road. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Lori Tannis. She's the vice president of government relations for a company called Faro. That is a large business in Windsor that deals with trade between the U.S. and Canada. We are talking about the relationship between the United States and Canada. Uh, tensions that have that have arisen since Donald Trump has been president. He has talked about his dissatisfaction with NAFTA. He has talked about his dissatisfaction with the trade imbalances that he sees between the United States and many countries, including Canada. And he has said that he's going to impose tariffs on Canadian goods. Uh, we're talking about what the what that looks like from the Canadian side, what the reaction is across the river to this change in a relationship that, for the most part, has been pretty friendly over the time. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call and let us know what you think about the strained relationship between the United States and Canada. If you live or work in Windsor, especially, we would love to hear from you. How is this ramped up trade rhetoric affecting you or how is it making you feel about ties between Detroit and Windsor. Uh, I know we have a lot of listeners across the river. Uh, We would love to hear from you, especially today, uh, to talk about how you're reacting to this change in U.S. policy. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Kevin on Facebook says, we are sorry, Canada, and we still love you. Most of us didn't vote for this jerk. Uh, Kevin, I appreciate that sentiment. Uh, Funny comment there. Uh, Let's go to Charlie in Detroit. Charlie, welcome to Detroit today. Yeah, I guess similarly, thank you. Um, I just want to say to our Canadian sisters and brothers, in fact, I have a sister who lives there, that um, 
and may, many other countries around the world that this is a case of uh, political temporary insanity on the part of our country. <laughs> um, I'm really sorry. Um, I don't think that you know the majority sentiment aligns with um, the blowhard in the White House. Hopefully, people do recognize him for what he is, mm-hmm. um, and and hopefully we'll we'll transcend and, and our our uh, way of government will. Uh, self-correct and uh, we'll get back to the uh, uh, friendly relations and allies that you know we kept the world at peace for well over 50 years so so uh, or a large part of it anyway so Charlie I'm curious you said you have a sister who lives in Canada is that right yeah in Toronto she's probably yeah. been a resident there for I don't know 30 years plus and she's a dual citizen I guess uh, so I, I'm very curious about how folks in Canada are hearing these things and reacting to them. What does she tell you about what people are saying about what the president is saying and doing here? Um, they're really annoyed. Um, she's she's really frustrated, both as a Canadian and as an American. Um, you know, she doesn't personally get a lot of heat because she's lived there so long. But mm-hmm. the people in Toronto are very frustrated. They're like, you know, what's going on? But hopefully, they have the. In- intelligence and you know view of history to understand that occasionally countries go off the rails like this and we get you know some crazy people in charge and hopefully you know we've lasted 270 some years or whatever it is we'll (laughs) we'll last a few more yeah okay charlie i really appreciate the call uh and the comments uh uh laurie tannis uh that that idea of uh, again, the fear that, that, that Canadians might have. And again, the the sort of randomness of this, right? The idea that it comes out of seemingly nowhere and I guess therefore could um, could end up morphing into, into other things. I, I would imagine that you're hearing a lot about that too. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think we know where this came from in the sense that because of the failed or stalled uh, NAFTA negotiations, mm-hmm. something needed to be done. And mm-hmm. I think this is this was sort of that next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anybody imagined it would be this big, um, but you know, we definitely know that it's it's emanated from from that. Um, and like I said, companies are frustrated. They want to do business. They want to get their goods and themselves uh, back and forth across the border. So. I think it's more frustration than anything that, uh, that, that, you know, just like your caller had just indicated that, that you know, we're seeing at least in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Charlie, thanks for the call and the comments. Let's go to Mike in Windsor. Mike, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, Stephen, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make a comment that, um, you know, for decades I've been able to get across the border, no problems. Uh, have a passport. It's always been very good. We take our kids to various functions uh, in Detroit quite often. Mm-hmm. And then uh, about two weeks ago, we had uh, an issue when we crossed through the tunnel, came into Detroit and um, was hauled into the Homeland Security office. And the next thing I knew, I was being fingerprinted and mugshots taken, and I was never given any reason why. Hmm. Uh, of course, you need to be careful uh you know, what you say when you're in that position, because you're very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it just seems to me that it was a, a result of the emboldened uh, strength of the federal government there that, you know, people are being uh, treated like this and brought in. And like I said, I, I don't know why it was all happening, but we were in there and the fingerprints were taken and all these sorts of things. So it's just one of the, uh, an anecdotal example, I guess, of, uh, 
kind of the changes that are wow. happening between the two countries and reflective of what's happening with your president, I think. Sure. So, so I guess I'm curious about this incident. Um, did they, I mean, <clears throat> there are a standard set of questions they, they seem to ask when mm-hmm. you come across the border. W- were they asking you those questions or did they ask you different questions before they detained you? Well, at the initial inspection, they asked we were go- where we were going and I was taking my son to the, um, tours of the uh, central uh, rail station there downtown in uh-huh. Town, I guess it is, uh-huh. and uh, kind of a honest and peaceful approach. I mean, we've crossed probably two or three times a month for the last 10 years with our kids, and they were asking where we were going and what we were up to and how much money we had with us, and we had, you know, standard responses to those questions. Um, and uh, the next thing I know, I was being asked to go into Homeland uh, mm-hmm. or Border Patrol Customs, whatever it's called. Um at which point we were faced with a bunch of more advanced questions and more pointed questions, which ended up uh, ultimately with me being, like I said, fingerprinted and uh, mugshot. Mm. And I don't, and I really don't know why. Yeah, you know, that's a, it's very strange. Yeah, Mike, uh, I'm glad you called and and shared that experience. Uh, I, I I might imagine that it was some sort of random screening, I I, I suppose, but but nonetheless, I'm sure quite frightening for you and and your family. Um, uh, Lori Tannis, I wonder whether businesses in Canada are experiencing that kind of change in the way that they deal with with the United States in terms of the alterations in in procedures for bringing goods across the border, for instance, or or doing business with, with, uh, with companies across the border. Certainly, and I think, I, you know, at the outset I was alluding to some of the confusion that's been happening at the border, and I think, you know, we uh, as brokers who, you know, we've been in business for 100 years, so, um, and I myself was an officer on the Canadian side for many years before I became a lawyer, mm-hmm. we've never seen something like this where there has been little to no instruction or direction on what the tariffs would be, mm-hmm. when they would exactly come into effect, what the details surrounding them would be. So if we, the experts, were ourselves, you know, looking for that uh, clarity and that direction from from the federal government, you can only imagine that companies who rely on service providers to to do this for them, Mm -hmm. uh, how they were feeling. Now, luckily, we were able to quickly uh, respond and mobilize and and get um, as many goods cleared with little to no uh, disruption. But for companies that are not using service providers and that are trying to figure it out on their own, I imagine that uh, you know their paperwork and documentation are are you know lacking in some respects because of the incorrect tariff, um, and and therefore the goods would you know let's say, be delayed or could be delayed um, because of the, you know, the, the, short, the shortfall in the duty and the taxes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, companies are definitely feeling this, and uh, I think they're going to feel it for some time to come before we see any resolution to this matter. Yeah. Okay. Lori Tanis, Vice President of Government Relations at Faro. Thanks very much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. All right. Up next, we are going to talk with uh, Cheryl Hardcastle, who is a member of the Canadian Parliament. She represents Windsor and Tecumseh. We're going to continue our conversation about U.S.-Canada relations, the tensions that have come up because of uh, President Donald Trump and the things that he says he wants to do to that relationship. We want to continue to hear from you as well. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Our friends across the the river in Canada, especially we'd 
love to hear from you, but we will get to you next. Lisa in Southfield, Bob in Lake Orion. Stay on the line. We'll be back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about the relationship between the United States and Canada and the way that that trade relationship is changing because of things that President Donald Trump says he wants to change about that relationship. Tariffs, he thinks, should be part of the equation. Also, a lot of tough rhetoric that he has uh, indulged about our neighbors to the north and even about their leadership. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. We especially love to hear today from our friends across the river in Canada, listeners who live in Windsor or other places across the border. Tell us what you're seeing, uh, how you're hearing these things that our president is saying, and whether the things that you do in your normal life, routines, have been disrupted by the things that have changed. Uh, You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk a little more about this relationship is Cheryl Hardcastle. She is a member of the Canadian Parliament, and she represents Windsor and Tecumseh. Cheryl, welcome to Detroit Today. Morning. Thanks for having me. Yes, uh, great. Uh, great to hear you. Uh, what's mm-hmm. the general? Let's talk about the general mood in Windsor and Ontario more broadly when it comes to this new tension with the United States. What are you hearing from constituents? Well, I'm hearing pretty much uh, what you would expect. People are confused, a little bit frustrated, but also very uh, positive about us being the area, if anywhere in North America, that has to find a way to work together in this relationship anyway, because we're already so entrenched. Mm -hmm. We're already so intertwined with each other, right? So we're trying to find ways to be able to uh, make some sense of this and and wait out the storm, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, Hmm. Do you see businesses uh, being affected? Do you see business ties slowing or halting as a result of, of what's going on? Oh, well, definitely there are impacts, especially now um, we have uh, the issue of the the steel and aluminum tariffs. You know that we have an automotive sector that's very entwined um, on both sides of the river. And uh, actually myself, as the Member of Parliament for Windsor-Tecumseh, and then... um, the the other member of parliament who's beside me, like mm-hmm. where the ambassador bridge is, that's Brian Massey. And then uh, further down is uh, Tracy Ramsey. So mm-hmm. the three of us are holding a roundtable forum on Thursday for uh, the businesses that are impacted um, that have that have steel and aluminum interests or are in the auto sector and are anticipating what they need to be doing to get their ducks in a row. Because we can't just be doing these um, 
reactionary damage control things, right? We have to have a better strategy in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, auto manufacturing is a big deal in Canada as yep. it is here in, in the U.S., and that's a lot of the trade, in fact, uh, that, that happens between the two countries involves the auto sector. What effect is this having or likely to have on on Yeah, autos? well, I think a, a lot of your listeners will know this, too. It's not just vehicles that are going back and forth. Mm-hmm. The components, the building the vehicle, yeah. these things, it's like seven, eight times, right, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. They, cross, they cross the border, these parts. And this is the way it's been built in this area. This is the way that we've built the, the infrastructure in the auto industry for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, let's just start with you know, uh, being a, a British Commonwealth, and we, uh, there was a tariff on horseless carriages. So you had uh, Chrysler and Ford on this side of the river as well, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of reasons, but my point is that for us, we... In Windsor and Detroit, we've always looked at this as the river binding us, the river connecting us. And now we have these issues with, <laughs> like, that it's a border and it's separating us, yeah. but we've never looked at it that way. And this is where our issue is right now. We've got to figure out our our game plan um, and do it together, because to be competitive in the world... We, together as a region, do have to look at this still as a strength, right? Right. So uh, it is something that's very hard when you're actually looking at and facing, you know, people telling you, well, I have to to be able to make payroll. I'm going to have to lay people off. Um, So we've got to look at at, uh, our strategy, what we can do, but we definitely know that our automotive sector is very entwined, and we've got that the best of the best and that infrastructure right in this region in general. Yeah. And it's not on one side of the border or on the other, unfortunately. Uh, or fortunately, that's how we need to look at it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, also, I, I feel like we've got to talk a little about the Gordie Howe Bridge, which has been planned for some time, yep. supposed to get going in earnest uh, pretty soon. Does this have any yes. effect on that? Yes. Um, well, no. Uh, that's the short answer. I have not had uh, any indication that that's being impacted. It's still on schedule. As a matter of fact, we're doing our uh, tour of the progress of it uh, next week. Um, that's already set. We know that this area does um, a quarter of the trade between uh, uh, Canada and the U.S. This is a trade corridor. I think, you know, the, the ocean-going vessels and the lake freighters, and, and when you put all that together, like, this is quite a hub. Uh, we've got a trade hub here, and the Gordie Howe Bridge is definitely going to enhance that. That's definitely going to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Maybe this is something that we need on both sides of the river for us to be able to keep our relationship going that, that you know, that precedes our countries, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing that we we have this as a, a symbol of the of our enduring relationship. So mm-hmm. maybe that sounds a little bit hokey right now, but <laughs> it is hard. Some people do get emotional about the issue when it comes to you know livelihoods being impacted. Sure. And uh, I think it was mentioned a little bit earlier. 
I just, you know, sometimes with little or no notice or no direction that, you know, you're having to forge ahead and, and do something and just read and react instead of, you know, following a, a consistent game plan, a long-term uh, plan that would, you know, be better for the prosperity of our of our region. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Cheryl Hardcastle. She is a member of the Canadian Parliament. She represents Windsor and Tecumseh. Uh, we're talking about the relationship between the United States and Canada, the trade relationship, and the way it may be changing given not only President Donald Trump's rhetoric about trade imbalances, uh, concerns about trade, but also the tariffs that he wants to impose on products from Canada and what effect they are having across the river uh, on our neighbors. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what you make of this new strained relationship between the United States and Canada. If you live or work in Windsor, we would especially love to hear from you today. Talk about how this ramped up trade rhetoric is affecting you or how it's making you feel about ties between Detroit and And Windsor, as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there uh, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Edward in Windsor. Edward, welcome to Detroit Today. Good. How are you? Good. Uh, Just uh, a couple of things I wanted to to say on I guess kind of what we see over here in, mm-hmm. in Windsor and Canada as a whole, we hear tons and tons of uh, American coverage with what's going on with Trump and how he, I guess, kind of is defining his role in his own way. And uh, the things that he says that are, are quite often misleading, especially about the, these things about the trade surplus and trade deficit, it, it's kind of frustrating to hear this stuff because being in a border town we want to you know cross the border all the time and it's really easy and simple to do and it it gives us somewhere else to shop somewhere else to to spend our money and and do these things and we're kind of being villainized as taking advantage of that and when trump says these things about these surpluses and these deficits it's it's frustrating to hear that he obviously doesn't understand simple math very well Mm -hmm. because all it means is that you guys are buying more than we are in certain areas and on top of that the numbers other than in services you guys actually have a surplus with us so hearing these these misleading facts is is quite frustrating because Hmm. our canadian coverage covers both american and canadian sides of it so we hear kind of everything that's going on that that i don't think the americans necessarily get the other side of the story all the time that's really i mean that's really interesting uh, Edward, I'm glad you called and and shared that perspective. I think uh, it's one of the things that we maybe don't always think about is that uh, the media coverage of these things and the way that they're cast and described is also very different uh, here than it is over in 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 Canada. Um, so that's a really interesting observation. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you I'm glad you shared that. Uh, Colin on Facebook says, "I work in the aluminum industry, and we just took the 10 percent hit." Colin lives. In Windsor, he says, just as an example, we make a blank that is shipped to Michigan and machined into the automotive brake component. It then heads back to Ontario to a Honda plant and then maybe shipped back as part of a car. You can imagine the headaches this has created if the finished car actually stayed in Canada should the initial tariff be refunded. What a mess. Uh, that, that, I think, gets to the heart of some of the really confusing dynamics that are introduced uh, by what's going on, Cheryl Hardcastle. 
Cheryl. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, oh, this. Oh, you. That, yes, I was alluding to that. Yeah. That some of that confusion these, that's going on. These components going back and forth. Mm-hmm. These human resources offices, logistics, and when people are having to apply rules that were very quickly engaged, without um, any consultation, without any planning. Um, because when you think of it, and a lot of your listeners can appreciate. When uh, legislators, usually they come up with uh, plans to do things across the border. These things take a long time. There's a lot of consultation so that the transition is smooth. And some of these very vast changes, deep changes, have been made like two weeks notice. We're doing this on this day. Oh, okay. It's very, very difficult. And... um, I'm glad that uh, Ed called also and talked a little bit about uh, some of the uh, misinformation that we feel like we in Canada are uh, being subject to sometimes because it is hard. You can't control the information, but you just want to be able to have a, a, you know, a a fair hearing of another side of the story because Mm -hmm. we really do want a prosperous trade relationship, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's right. Uh, yeah. And I think even the... Like the, um, uh, the issue, one of the things that comes to mind for me that it, it's really, you know, it's really gut-wrenching sometimes to hear uh, we don't want to take advantage of uh, dairy farmers in, in the United States. We don't want to take, uh, take advantage of that industry, and that's not what's, what's really happening from the way that we see it, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Um, we have hardworking dairy farmers as well. And yes, we have a supply management system. It works a little bit differently, but in the United States, they have a subsidy system that works a little bit differently. Uh, in Canada, we have an issue where a milk protein called diafiltered milk uh-huh. is allowed to be used as an ingredient in cheese. It's not allowed to be used in the United States. Okay. So in the United States, where some of these places where they have a surplus, they'll create this concentrated diafiltered milk protein. It crosses the border as an ingredient, as a protein ingredient, so it doesn't pay a tariff. It's not milk. But then once it comes here, it's allowed to be used as milk. Uh-huh. So we have our own contentious issue with the definition of this uh, fairly new invention, you would call it, of how we can ultra-filter milk for these uh, non-fat proteins. The, the fat is what you take out of the milk, as you probably can imagine, to make butter and all these things, right? So anyway, I know I'm getting kind of deep right now, <laughs> but it's just an example of how we would love to be able to have more um, meaningful conversations about these things if it means it raises us all up and, and how we can um, make our, our trade relationship more resilient, right? Right. And you make a concession here and you do something else there. And we're going to have to do these things anyway um, when it comes to environmental sustainability and um, our responsibilities uh, together as a region. That, you know, we're, look at a map. We're in a, a, a win-win situation if we approach it that way, just in the Windsor-Detroit region. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Lisa in Southfield. Lisa, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Hey. Um, I just I want, just wanted to say your 
you had a previous caller who said that he was detained at the border. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. my husband is a dual citizen. We are in our late 50s. And pre-Father's Day, we were going to lunch with our kids. And on the way back, we were pulled over. We were, they seemed to be very fixated on how much money my husband had on him. Right. And he told them about $600. So they pulled us over. This has never, ever happened to us. They pulled us over, were extremely harsh with us, wouldn't let us roll the windows down, wouldn't let us turn the car on, wouldn't let us get out. They finally let us get got out, get out, and they searched through the car with a fine tooth comb, and then let us go. Huh. I, I, that's a very interesting. Uh, I mean, it's a very interesting experience, and it sounds a lot like what uh, we heard from the previous caller. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I wonder, Cheryl Hardcastle, are you hearing from constituents about these kinds of interrogations uh, at the border? Um. Yes, I do get uh, people write, send me uh, letters. They put it in writing um, and recount uh, these experiences. And, uh, you know, all I can do is pass them on. Uh Um, We hope that when there's a new directive or there's a directive that's being followed or you're being told to follow something uh, literally or, or with a different interpretation. I don't know uh, what's happening, but it is true that um, even, you know, we have some people in, uh, in, that work in, uh, in the hospitals, uh, some of the nurses, the specialty nurses in, uh, at Henry Ford, for instance. Um, you know, you have people that are commuting every day uh, that have a Nexus card, and all of a sudden they can't use it. You know, right. Um, we try and patch those things up, but I don't know how I, I don't know where to attribute that issue to be truthful. Um, and it's just something that we all need to be aware of that, you know, there are there is something changing. But between us, there has to be lines of communication that are open so we can clear any of these issues up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Cheryl Hardcastle, member of Canadian Parliament, representative of Windsor and Tecumseh. Thank you very much for joining us here on Detroit Today. You're welcome. Yeah. All right, up next, we are going to talk about the Concert of Colors, which kicks off today and runs through Sunday. We're going to have producer Don Was and WDET's Ishmael Ahmed here to talk about this year's festival. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you.